so to recap we just discussed the path of righteousness the gate we discussed the gate being at the back at the end not at the beginning we're not saying that being a moral person earns you a place in the world to come that's sacrilege but rather it seems incomprehensible that anyone could love God, love His Word, and desire to keep it, and walk that path without then walking through that narrow gate. Time will tell. That was last week. I mean, last class. Now this one. God's will is... Fill in the blank. God's will is well? Oh, no, Greek. I'm going to go right here. Uh, we have his rhema and we have his logos. Right? So You're killing me. That's kind of where we're going. That's right? his word. We're talking about, yeah, we have the written words. God. Then we have that still small voice, the steps of the righteous word of the Lord kind of thing. So, fill in the blank. God's will is? God's will is. Fill in the blank. No, you fill in the blank. God's will is. God's will is written down. Okay, so God doesn't care what toothpaste I use. Yes or no? Okay. God's will is... He doesn't care or he does care? He does not, he said. God's will is... Righteous. God's will is righteous. That's good. Sounds like your brother. God's will is... God's will towards his children... I got a little rope of dope on me there. God's will towards his children. I like that. God's will is not subject to man's will. I like that too. God's will is not subject to man's will. That's exactly right. God's will is, Joshua? Good and perfect. Good and perfect. You agree with that? Yes, God's will is. Stop! It's not your turn. God's will is good and perfect. That would be consistent with his character. So God's will is consistent with his character? Yeah. Okay. God's will is? Free. Well said. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Peter spoke incorrectly as the only person whose yeah. will is free. Is Snatch the devil from my hands. <laughs> Psalm 115, 3. This is my scriptural machine. God's will is free. God's will is? Not to counter his, because I really liked his. But God's will is that none should perish. None of the elect. It doesn't say that. Actually, it doesn't. Actually, the direct quote is, God's will, God does not will. No question, but... The direct quote is, God does not wish that any should perish, but that all, all should come. It doesn't say that. The direct quote is that all should come to salvation. Why is that upsetting to you? That's not upsetting. Upsetting me is adding to the quote in order to perceive a context. All I'm saying is, the quote says exactly what I just said. And See, I didn't make a theological statement. I just quoted That's right. And the, and the direct quote is, God does not wish that any should perish, but that all should come to salvation. Now, it definitely could be that he is speaking of the elect, but it could also be that he is talking about all people. Could be. By his words, the present heavens and earth are he reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So, question to is the you. It's Who's the all does all mean all. Exactly. Sometimes all does mean all. Sometimes all does not mean all. It's clear. Absolutely. And I'm not going to debate 
the elect versus the non-elect right now. I want to talk about his will. So God's will is just. just. Perfect. Wasn't there something else with perfect? Good. Just. Good. What did you say? What did I say? At the beginning. You had the first one. I said God's will is Torah. Which actually Paul says as well. He says that this is his will for you, that you walk, that you, that you walk as a circumspect. Yeah. Okay. So, God's will is toward his children as a father. What job and all that kind of stuff? Surely he's, he's, he's concerned about that, but I think there are some small details that he is concerned about. Okay. I, I think by extension, I would like to say that God's will is chesed, that he, uh, he is a compassionate father, so that his mercy is over all his works. Okay. So I would like, now that I've heard some of your com- God's will is. Got that. Good. Do you agree that's a synonym with Torah? Or should I put truth? That's hard to understand. It's a weird, it's a weird way. Walking Torah? It, Keeping well, Torah? The verse that Mr. Sprague quoted said that Paul said that his will is for us to walk circumspectly. Okay. But not that his will is walk. Yeah. When we speak of the Torah, we speak of instructions on how to walk, and I think that's the context in which that was meant. Can we work with that? God's will is that we walk in Torah. Yes. There we go. Actually, I think you meant more in in the commandments of the Torah. Yeah. Here's the notion is, what does God want? That's his will. What he wants he told us what he wants. Do this, do this, do this, do this, don't do that. That's pretty much saying what you want. Okay. You okay. That's your will. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Absolutely. What he wants. Okay. I, I would like to argue that God does care what toothpaste you use. But only Mr. Burroughs. <laughs> 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 only Calvinists. <laughs> <laughs> only Let me see if I can force you down this path. If um, I, have, I have toothpaste here that costs $27 for one of those little travel tubes, you're going to use that toothpaste? Why not? It's too expensive. So how much the toothpaste costs is a factor for you. Why? Give me a $9 word. Oh. Gluttony. Gluttony. Lavishing wasteful. I used it the other day. I saw a big house and I said gluttony. Stewardship is the finer point of the overarching gluttony. That's exactly right. So from a stewardship perspective, I would argue God does care what toothpaste you use. Now, if we're down to Crest versus, what's, what's another? Colgate, right? Well, you know, the one that tastes like crap versus the one that tastes like mint. You know, I, I don't know. Can I, can I uh, propose one at a time? One at a time. Propose an adjustment for the does he care what toothpaste? Yes, please, an adjustment. Maybe the adjustment should be. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not possible when we raise the voices of everyone in the room that if there's more than one, it's not possible for anybody who's not here to hear it. It's infinite. It'll 
just keep getting louder as each person tries to... If I can hear him and you at the same volume, they will hear the same and it will become mud. Fermez la bouche. Merci beaucoup. Could we say that God doesn't want me to ask him what toothpaste as much as that he doesn't care if he is infinite in and if his will is free obviously he cares about everything right but whether it's whether it's worthy of my uh, trying to determine his best toothpaste for me is the, is the issue in that regard I don't think God cares about what toothpaste I want however I do believe that he has given me the toothpaste that I want, that I need. I think it makes sense. I don't know if I agree. Let me... Uh, the only one that can understand me. I think I'm having trouble with the concept. Let, let, me, let, me, let me toss this back and see if you agree. God may not care what toothpaste I use, but I believe He certainly cares how I come to the conclusion. Exactly. And, and, and along the same lines, I mean, I don't think that small decisions and big decisions should be treated differently. And that's, and that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm getting That's at. where I'm going. Okay, I'll stop. That's exactly where I'm going. If you can believe that God cares what toothpaste you use, then God does care what words you use. God does care how you treat other people, even in the smallest way. If He... I mean, what his scripture teaches us. The master said, you know, a sparrow falls. God knows about it and he cares about that. How much more worthy are you than a sparrow? A Kolbakoma argument. If you just diss the whole idea that God doesn't care what toothpaste you use, the obvious extension of your theological statement is, well, God doesn't care about anything. If he doesn't care about the toothpaste, he doesn't care about anything. And that's just not the case. Because your righteousness here, together, on the planet righteousness, your righteous works and your righteousness is measured by all of the tiny decisions throughout the day. It's what you will say. It's whether you will lift him up or whether you will still stay silent. It's whether you will proclaim his name or you will not be counted. Are you ashamed of him? You see where I'm going? It it all matters. So don't just toss the toothpaste out and miss the greater the greater picture. That's where I'm going. Whether I put the toilet paper on I would say I was trying to be graphic and I hope that Yes. Absolutely. And it's important. But that's, that's a little thing. That's it. That's it. That's it. All right. So, so. He cares about our well-being. He doesn't care about well, the cover art. On, you know, I have a problem when we say God doesn't care about fill in the blank. I have a problem with that, theologically, and that's where I'm going. I think he does care about even the smallest things. He does care how you feel. He may choose to make you suffer because you're as stubborn as me. God willing, that will not happen to you. I mean, just uh, just a, a recent personal uh, experience. Is this uh, toothpaste related? Uh, no, <laughs> but how God works in small things. And this was, I guess, about, I don't know, probably three weeks ago. Friday afternoon, I'm leaving the, the office about you know, 4.30, 4.45, trying to hightail it home, you know. And I pull out of the parking garage and uh, hang a left on Park Road, and all of a sudden, my, my, the lights, all the lights on my dash just, like, start just kind of going on and off, like, everything. So and the car... Is this starts, like, a, it's like a God Morse code? Right, right. <laughs> Read the Torah. Read the Torah. <laughs> so my, my lights start flickering, and the car, like, starts to lull like it's trying to stall. Yeah. And and also my battery light pops on. Oops. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, something about uh, my battery's going bad or my alternator's going out or whatever. 
And so I just prayed. And I said, I said, Abba, just, I said, just let me get home for Shabbat. You know, I, I don't, I don't care if I get stranded somewhere, but just don't let it happen so that I end up, I'm stranded on Shabbat. So I'm just kind of praying. And Baruch Hashem, I get home. I pull into the garage and I'm like, praise God. Great Shabbat. Of course, I, I don't, uh, I, I didn't drive the, the truck uh, the whole whole day Saturday. Sunday morning, I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it up to the auto, advanced auto parts, and have them test the battery. Yeah. So I got to the garage and I'm fully expecting that the truck won't start. It starts right up. Okay. So I drive up to the advanced auto parts, the battery light's still on, it's still behaving weird. The guy tests the battery, the battery shows good. You know, I said, well, can you check the alternator? Okay. Alternator looks good, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, that's really weird. So I drive it all day Sunday. Voltage regulator. And the the battery light's still on and it's still kind of acting as something wasn't right. So uh, Monday morning, I get up, go out to the garage. Now the you got to go to work, car, right? Work. <laughs> Fully expecting it's going to be dead. Car fires right up, okay? Drive to the office. Still, it's like a couple times where it felt like I was going to try to stall out. I said, all right, I got to take it into the shop because there's something wrong here. So I take it to the shop during lunch and and tell them what's going on. Told them I had it checked it out at the advanced auto parts. And he goes, all right, I'll call you a couple of hours after I've looked at it. Calls me that afternoon and he says, uh, Mr. Upland, he says, uh, uh, got some bad news. Your battery's, your, your alternator's totally dead. And it's burnt, burnt up your battery. You're going to need a new battery, a new alternator. And, and I said, well, help me understand that. Because, you know, the next auto parts guy said, and he said, I, he said, I don't know what they did. He said, this car has not is not drivable. I don't know how you've been driving this truck. <laughs> he said, I went to pull it into the garage. I couldn't get it started. We had to push it into the garage so I could get it on the lift. He said, I hooked up the charger to it, and it drained, the, it drained my charger. <laughs> He said, I don't know how you've been driving this. It's, it's, it cannot be driven. So I, that's just a recent, recent example where, you know, dead battery, dead alternator, and, you know, $600 of parts. Of labor. course, yeah. That's a small thing in God's economy. But I can't help to think that God allowed me to get home so I could be home for Shabbat. Amen. And he allowed me to drive around for the next three day, two days without getting stranded somewhere. Because he's concerned about the small things. Amen. Baruch Hashem. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, sir. And I, I, and I completely agree. But and I know I know the answer that you'll give to this. But would you have thought the same thing if you hadn't done? Would I think the same thing about him? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's and that's that's the that's the mark of the man who recognizes God's work in his life is right. no matter what comes into his life. He says, wow, i got a loving father. Amen. Right. Amen. Well, that's why Paul can say, in all things, give thanks. How can you give thanks when you're stranded on the side of the road, you know, it's 97 degrees out, and now you've got two and a half miles, you've got to hoof it back to the house. Plus, now, what are you going to do with the car? You know? I had a thing trying to get out of Tel Aviv. Um, checking the loads and go, wow, if I go on Shabbat, I can get out. Nope, we're not going. Wait until after Shabbat's over. We get to the airport, and and it's oversold. I'm thinking, you know, the righteous get a reward. And I'm going to get on the airplane, and we didn't get on the airplane. And it was a huge problem. We sat through eight flights waiting for everybody finally to get on the airplane. But the with the thing, and it goes back to the same idea. It's like recognizing that that was as much a loving act. Amen. As getting on. And, and we may not know this side of the world to come. Right. Why, why he had you sitting there all that time? You just don't know. Well, it may not, it may have not been something that is discernible at all. I mean, that, the, th- the troubling thing to me is when people try and find something. Well, my car broke down, and I drove by 15 minutes later, and I would have been in an accident right. if I hadn't. It's like, whoa, whoa. You yeah, know. maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. The point is that you know God is not constantly trying to rejuggle things yeah. to keep you from getting hurt or to or to get you hurt. Right. That he has that he is able to do whatever comes about and work it for your good. Yeah, I do think it's a rare thing when God allows us to perceive 
what is an obvious clearly, clearly he does do that. thing. And, and I think he does it rarely. And it's, it's another measure of his grace where he allows us to perceive what may be part of the reason but the, the, why something but, happened. But the bad analogy, or the bad take-home from that from people is, you hear it all the time, people give testimonies like this happening. And, and the notion that's always being carried about is this notion of cause and effect. Uh, instead of recognizing that God's always good, always good, always. Mm. and it, there's not going to be a discernible good outcome. Yeah, exactly. Every time. Well, you've that's got exactly. Job, right. And you've yeah. got Psalm ninety-one. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You've got, you know, I will not, you know, you know, allow, you know, your foot to be down. You know, I will give the angels charge. But when we're all constantly struggling to find the miracle, we miss that God's always good. Amen. Yes. sir. Um, this is really good timing on the heels of our last discussion. Um, so I was talking about this very thing from the most mundane. And then Paul even says, you know, whether you eat or drink, do all things. It is glory. From even that to, I would even say the most highest form of religious expression, like praying at the wall. I would say this, brothers, if it is not with your Messiah Yeshua as the object of your faith, it is idolatry. That's what I believe the Bible teaches. Without a circumcised heart, you're actually storing up wrath for yourself because you're trying to establish your own righteousness because the object of your faith isn't Him specifically. If, if the object of... Messiah, I, I'm not going to argue that. I agree with that. But if at the same time you're, the object of your faith is Hashem Himself, who is Yeshua, That's because they are one. I think we're playing a dangerous game there. He is God. And there is only one God. So if the object of your faith is Hashem... Well, I just really think we're playing a dangerous game figuring out ways not to be specific that the object of our faith must be Him if we're brushing our teeth or praying through the Siddur or obeying the Torah. And it's clear in, throughout the Scriptures, in Romans 9 toward the end of that chapter, it's very clear that if the object of your faith is not Yeshua, that's why He's in anguish over His brothers. Because it's not pleasing. In fact, it's an abomination to God because their hearts are not circumcised. A Jewish one, not just outwardly but inwardly. It's clear. I mean, it's I, all over the place. All over the prophets. No they question. Were obeying. They were bringing sacrifices. They were obeying. Why was he offended? No heart circumcision. No trust in the Messiah. No, That's actually, I don't disagree with you on, on everything you said up until that point. The people that that were bringing the sacrifices were bringing the sacrifices and, do, and then following their own way. He wasn't critical of Ezra. He wasn't critical or Nehemiah. of Nehemiah. He wasn't critical of the prophets. Um, his criticism was reserved for those who were bringing offerings and then saying, God does not see. I mean, is that different than, than without a circumcised heart? Or is that, that the same see, thing? But you can't, you can't know that they the have a circumcised heart. You assume that they do. Heart. And I, love, I love that terminology, by the way. And I, like I say, I agree with you completely. The, 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 the circumcised heart is found in Deuteronomy chapter 30. There's no mention of Messiah. None. Is Messiah there? Absolutely. He sure. is the only way that our hearts are circumcised. But the point is that that the uh, uh, it's not trying to find excuses or dancing around. It's, it has to it has to do with with uh, recognizing that it's not about the mental ascribing. And no matter what uh, theology or or machinations I have to come up with to somehow take it off of me, even when I do decide. Which is, I mean, that's typical what we do, right? We say, well, it's not up to man. Man can't have anything to do with it. It's all God, but you've got to decide. Well, but you can't get your credit for it. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, we're, we're, we're walking ourselves in circles for one thing and one thing only. That somehow I have to decide. As opposed to just do it and stop thinking about it. Just I want to say, I think all of us here in this room agree on this. Uh, and that is that the way that we're placed on this path, on the way... Uh, uh, from a chronological time perspective is the same in the first half and the second half of the book. It hasn't changed. And, and, and in, in all regards, it's always about Messiah. Always about Messiah. And it's God who puts us on the path. Yes. Amen. Well, I mean, in Titus, Paul is clearly in connecting regeneration with belief in Yeshua the Messiah. So I don't know if we should untether regeneration because someone's obeying Torah 
and I think that's dangerous. So that's yeah. that's but I, um, I guess my point in the whole last hour, um, which I was a little disappointed you didn't comment on, um, was was that <laughs> was that the walk of Torah does not appear to be possible according to the scriptures for the unregenerate. Most assuredly is. That's Paul's whole anguish in Romans 9 when he says that they're zealous and yet they're not attaining it by faith. So, I mean, it's clear. It's right there. But he doesn't say that all the zealous. He does not put it in the category you just did, which is why we had that class. Because you made it sound like Paul says, all who are jealous, all who are zealous for the Torah, all who are zealous, without faith in Yeshua, are are lost. He he does not say that. He actually is anguishing about... There's, I do believe there are two problems with uh, the Jews today. One is, and they're both in the Bible, which is beautiful, right? John, he says, John the Immerser says, God can make uh, descendants of Abraham from these stones. So there's this ethnic um, yes. barrier where I'm okay because I'm a Jew. And then there's the other barrier, which isn't the Torah. I think that's the mistake, is that you know, Gentile theology says law versus grace, which really the appropriate antithesis to grace isn't law, it's works. And I think that's that's the, the, the tangle. That Which works? Church. Hold Which on a second. Hold on a second. Let me just read the verse. So, Which works? Um, well, let's just read what Paul says here. Oh, okay. No, I want, to, I want to back up to what you said. Works you meant something. Law. You said the problem. The works of the law without Messiah Yeshua. What are works of the law? The Torah. Yeah. So no, but no, Israel, no, but what are works of the law? You said the antithesis to grace is works. Works, I would say the antithesis to grace are works of the law without belief in Messiah Yeshua. Is, can you give me a scripture that yeah, says that? I'm trying to. Um, but Israel pursuing the law for righteousness has not achieved the law. Why is that? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as it were, by works. That's right. They stumble over the stumbling stone. I've got the verse before that. What should we say to the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained righteousness? Namely, the righteousness that comes from faith. But Israel, pursuing the law for righteousness, has not achieved the law. Why is that? In the greater context, the goal of the law, Yeshua, maybe, because they did not pursue it by faith. Faith in who? The object is the goal of Torah, which is Yeshua. So that's what the it whole, says. The whole idea is faith. And I am absolutely 100%. I said it as we started. I am not saying that it's works that gets you down this path. I said that. I started with that. It is faith, and only faith. In Hashem. It is not possible to love God and to keep His Torah. It says you cannot keep the Torah. You cannot do it. The natural man cannot do it. Right. I know men who have done it and who are doing it and who love God and express that love and will diss me if I did... It has nothing to do with religion. It has absolutely here's, to do with here's, natural religion in the flesh. No. Here's Deuteronomy 6.24. That's what they love. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, and for our survival as it is today. It will be it. The, the it is referring to obeying God and fearing God. It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God, just as He commanded us. That is in direct contradiction to what you just quoted from Romans. No, because in context, he says it has to be on your heart. So, Deuteronomy oh, 6, the Shema. The reason why I said that is not because Paul was contradicting this. Right. Because you, you, what you just read, the purpose for you reading it was in contradiction. When Paul says works of the law, he is not speaking of the commandments of God. Ever. Not once does he ever do it. When he says works of the law, what he's saying is he's saying people who actually are using uh, the construct, as you described it, of religion. And applying a tradition conversion to Judaism. That's right. But applying a tradition, that's what works of the law is. Works of the law are the unspoken things. And I've, I've said this before. Uh, Baptists, uh, if, you're, if you're a good Baptist, if you're an okay Baptist, you might show up on Sunday morning. If you're a good Baptist, you'll show up on Sunday night. But the only the people that show up on Wednesday but you see, you never tell people this. There's no secret handshake or anything like that. You just kind of know it. The in-group, they show up on Wednesday. It's the unspoken And then boundaries. it's expected. 
It's the unspoken boundaries. That's right. The unspoken boundaries are what determines. And the works of the law, as demonstrated in many places, Scripture, that term refers to unspoken boundaries. So the, I was really sure how you tie your, how you lay your tefillin, how you right. do your ziti. Oh, I see, you're not one of us. Yeah, yeah. You don't say it, I can see. Those are the things that are called the works of law. But to say that the, the commandments of God are works of law, as Paul referred to it, then Paul is then Paul's a false prophet because it says very clearly that the if you obey me, it will be righteousness for you. Well, I'm just saying as we look at the prophets, and I, I um, see all the time um, they you know sacrifices are offered, which are in a, for what we're told led to believe in accordance with the commandment. But the problem is the heart is the problem. Their lips cry from their beds, but their hearts are far from me, and so. I see this constant heart issue, and I'm, I agree. I think you're, you know, the works of the law is is helpful to understand that it doesn't always mean works of the Torah. It can I, also I don't think it, it, I don't think it can ever mean it because can, otherwise it's to say that God is God no, gave us commandments that actually Romans, can lead us astray. Yeah, but in, in this in this in this context, specifically talking about, you know, the, the Gentiles obtaining righteousness. Now they didn't obtain it by. What, Whether it was halakhic or Torah commands. No, no, what did they get? They, they get through faith. They have faith in the object of the faith is Yeshua. But, but, no, no, it doesn't say. See, you're putting it's the context. What is he saying? Of the whole letter. No, no, what is he saying? How did they obtain faith? Or how did they attain righteousness? Did they get righteousness like imputed to them? Boom, you're righteous. Well, in Romans 4. That's what you're reading, and that's no, that's not what it says. So we don't believe in right justification by faith. We don't believe that. I don't believe, I don't believe in righteousness imputed. No. Well, that's what Rome, I think that's what Romans 4 reveals, and I think that's an important part of the gospel. But, but well, I mean, you can think that, but when you go through the balance of Scripture, you're going to see that righteousness is always tied to something that someone does. Yeshua, on the cross. Uh, no, it says, he who, he who does righteousness is righteous. The doer. The you know, doer, not the I think that right, is from a reborn heart that has faith in the object and goal of Torah. Nobody's arguing, I don't think anybody's arguing with you on the, on, the, on the point of the goal of Torah and that Messiah is a part of it all. The only issue is whether, whether we, can, uh, we can simply put Torah obedience into a category as if it were a sin. Or bad. Or bad. I think, well, let okay, me, I think trying to do mitzvot without faith in Yeshua is a sin. I... I, I, I don't I don't think the, the scripture will support you in that to say that I mean Paul actually says God forbid that we call you know that we you know continue in sin or that or that the that the commandments are bad. The Babylonian exile in Jeremiah forty gives them the heart. That's why they come back. Hang on a second. Faith is faithfulness. Right. Faithfulness is not a thought. Faithfulness is what actions. But we care if people we care if people deny the deity of Yeshua. Hang on a second. Well, that's not, Look, that's not hang, going to translate to a D. Hang on, Actually, hang, hang, on, a, hang, on a, hang on a second. Wait, you're, you're, you're projecting a theology on me that I don't have. No, I know. I'm yeah. saying that in general, we believe in things that aren't traceable to deeds. That's all I'm saying. We had them on the whiteboard. Which well, is we, fine, but we actually, do. That's, but that's pretty fuzzy. Yeah. What, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is that the goal of the Torah is Messiah. I mean. Thank you. And if... One has faith in God and in His Messiah and is keeping His righteous deeds as He's been commanded. Who am I to look down on Him because He does not yet know the name of that Yeshua? Over him. Absolutely. I look down on Him. Absolutely. That's the point of that, the loving things. And that's, and that's what we're doing. All I'm saying is, it is, I think, completely inappropriate to say to a man who has been obviously in love with God and loving His Messiah and the coming of His Messiah. You don't think it's and possible to just love religion? Is that not possible? Oh, I'm sure. Alex, 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 I am sure it's possible and I've seen it. I'm not talking about those men. I am talking about, if you'll take exactly your quote, a man who loves God, who from all outward appearances appears to have been regenerated, whose heart has been circumcised by God, who loves His commandments. Why? Because he wants to please his God, who believes in the one true God and is looking forward and hastening the coming of his Messiah. 
I cannot, in good conscience, look at that man and presume he is not in the household of faith. Is he, is he missing something? Absolutely. And is that my calling? Yes. Am I going to call him a sinner? No, I'm not. I, I have no basis to do so. What is sin? God defines sin. And he is keeping his commandments. Why is he keeping his commandments? I ask him. He's keeping the commandments because he loves God. I just think well, it's dangerous to talk in those terms and exclude Yeshua from the meaning of those terms, knowing God and loving God. I am not excluding Yeshua. I am saying that this man is... And this a, man doesn't know Yeshua that you're describing. And he knows and loves God. Actually, this, actually he doesn't, he doesn't this, know Yeshua. This, he doesn't know his name. That's right. He is. He is. He can tell you everything about Messiah. Apparently, can know that I don't think we know. Okay. He can. He can quote me. He can. He can quote me the scripture far better than I can. He knows the scriptures like the back of his hand. And he doesn't have the apostolic scriptures. Okay. Nobody before that day did either. That's ridiculous. Messiah was seen by Abraham, Moses, and David. Yes, I believe specifically. That's that's a good belief, but there's no basis for it. Sure, there is. He prophesied the resurrection in the Psalms. The primary problem with this theology, this this way, uh, first of all, thinking. Wait, wait, wait. Let him finish. I'm I'm not. I'm tired of being called a theologian. Everybody here that's open to the Word of God is a theologian. Absolutely. So, so just not say theology. I think the problem. Just sure, sure. I think the primary problem with this uh, way of thinking is that. we're looking at it from a timeline point of view, and we're, we're actually saying, in point of fact, that there are two ways that That's you get right. placed on this That's path. exactly right. That's one way before danger. Calvary and one way after. Yep. Is that what you're Dispensation. Just one. Yeah, there's only... That I'm saying there's two ways? Yeah, is that what you're yeah. I was just saying the opposite, that Abraham, Moses, and David looked forward. But you're only naming people that you can somehow draw a bead on and say, see, well, Jesus is... What about the guys in Hebrews 11? Separate, separate question, separate question. Is it possible then... Just to ask, mm-hmm. that if God can reveal Messiah's person to Abraham, David, Jeremiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, without them ever having read any of the Apostolic Scriptures, or his name, and can reveal even his name, because you're saying it's specific, is it possible that he can reveal the specificity of Messiah to Rashi, Rambam, Ramban? Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know why we're I think we use the phrase, you know, it's 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 disheartening. I mean, when we use the phrase "our sages" and "our people," you're immediately discounting the so-called anybody in the so-called church. I don't mm-hmm. think that's appropriate. Uh, no, secondly, well, 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 hang on, hang on a second, Alex. You didn't you didn't answer you didn't answer his question. You you, you you started going on something. No, no, I mean, no, the sages. He mentioned the sages, and I have a concern about the sages. Okay, but can you can you answer his question? Regardless. Can, can can God reveal the same specificity of, of Yeshua to these men? Just think, here's God's revelation. You know? But wait, I want to step. I want to step back to, to the little guy that lives in uh, um, Nazareth, about about 700 before the Common Era, and he's just a little guy, and he doesn't know anything. He read, he hears the Torah, he's memorized a lot of it, but he just hears it once a year. And he's walking, he's walking circumspectly. He obeys God's commandments. And he loves God. And Paul never named him. Right. Jesus never named him. So we, we can take those people off the books. Is that guy, can, is it just religion for him? Is it just works of the law for that guy? Is his heart circumcised? I think we're not given that answer, but we are. Well, wait, wait, no. You can, but you imply that you can give that answer for a... For a Orthodox Jew today, I'm, I'm just saying we can make. I just, I'm, I'm just hesitating on making the assumption that that isn't true. But, you, but it's so quick to make the assumption about the Jew today. But can't make the assumption about the Jew then. That goes back to that goes back back to Ken's point is that there's two ways. Now you may not agree that there's two ways, but you're thinking in two. You so got a dividing line somehow. I have a dividing. I'm really confused. I have a dividing line somewhere. You have a dividing line. How's that again? I'm saying there's one way, and I have a divide. I, I think I think what what was coming out is, if it's before the cross, then your average concert B flat Jew who loves God, keeps his commandments, and loves him, gets a buy. No, 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 no,
Or Why is... Why say that at all? Okay. What is your point then? My point is there's one way of salvation. It's been the same before and after the cross, and it's faith in the Messiah of Israel. So, so, that, wait, so, Moses, so Moses never mentioned you, Yeshua's name. First of all, first of all, we're, we're you know, Abraham looked at and saw Yeshua's That's name. why I want to take them off the table. I want, that's why I want to get you back to the 700 BCE and a guy that doesn't, that's not named. Forget Moses and Abraham. Is this guy in the Bible? I mean, yes, there's okay. a bunch of them. Think about that guy. Does that guy, that, how did he get saved? Grace through faith. Okay, I agree. So, so did he? With a fuzzy did he, object. Did he have? Did he have Yeshua? He had to, or he's not saved. So did he know well, him? Yeah, he knew he my knew. name. So God told he him the name somehow from the Tanakh. Just like Moses. Is, is there some? David knew, just like is there Abraham. some magic in that name? I'm, I'm talking about I'm, you're, what you're implying. What you're implying is that what you're implying is that people before the cross knew the name of Yeshua, not just the Messiah and a coming Messiah. They didn't just look forward in faith. They knew his name physically, and I just can't understand where you're getting that. Oh yeah. Probably knew that before he came, and they were looking forward to it. Rick, you just posted something which is pretty cool archaeologically, which supports that maybe. Their tradition said that the Messiah would be raised. Again. Absolutely, God. So, and, and this is one of the yet, things. And yet, I'm, I'm so. Still but this is one of the, this is one of the things that that. What the question is. You know, maybe maybe 700 BC is a wrong wrong argument. I'm sorry, this is distracting. That's all right. 700 BC is a wrong argument. How about this guy? The guy that lives in Spain. And he's born about the same time as Yeshua. And he's a good Jew, righteous man. Lives his whole life. And you know, Paul didn't make it to Spain before he dies. What was the object of his faith? If the object of his faith is Messiah. The question is, why? Because God said it. That was good enough. You know, and... and the notion of progressive revelation is being un, untied by the idea that you think that everybody in the beginning had to know everything. I, Abel, I mean, that's exactly who we start with in, in, in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. 11. Righteous Abel. He's righteous Abel. And he knew that Jesus was going to die on the cross. I don't think so. But even, but even if just, he did... And even the scripture he, gives no evidence towards it either way. There's no evidence of hope for people who don't know Yeshua when we consider the entire Bible. So yes. why are we talking about it? So yes. Question, my yes, question. we are. Yes, there is. That's our point. That's the point, point is, in Hebrews 11, everybody listed says they had a hope, and they had not yet seen. It says they haven't seen it. Go look it up. It says they said they had a hope, and they had a hope in the city that they had not seen. I am using inductive reasoning on the three examples of Abraham, Moses, and David that they did look at to the specific but, Messiah, but you and they must have told those. somebody. Maybe they told somebody. Actually, it doesn't say anything. <laughs> but, all, say but, anything all, but, but so many of them knew about Messiah. They didn't, it didn't matter whether they told people or not. There were so many people that did know Messiah. We're not withholding our Two points. First, my, my only question is, the reason why I brought up Rashi, Rambam, and whatever, was not an attempt to say that um, there are two different ways to getting saved. My question was, if God's revelation pre the cross is God told them everything. No, God tells them this is his name. This is what he will do. Then your argument is that because he had some guys write it down, he no longer tells people. Is, is that what you're saying? The, um, the I think the word of God is, is the only you know, revelation of God. That's all, that's all that's what I'm saying. So so the delineation So the people the before the writing of the apostolic scriptures had to have a different way of getting saved or they couldn't get saved. Because you're saying you can't get saved without the apostolic scriptures. No, he's saying, he's saying it's the same. He's saying it's exactly the same. The difference is how they hear about it. Yeah, Your argument is that, is that they have some type of revelation that the Messiah reveals himself to them. Is that what We know, for example, that um, David, um, with the law on his heart in Psalm 40, proclaims a salvation in the congregation. We also know that he prophesies, maybe in Psalm 69, of the resurrection. Sure, so did Daniel. Sure. So Chapter 12, Daniel's got the resurrection. That maybe if David had that, then it's... 
I would rather spend time, I think it's more doing justice to the whole counsel of God, to spend time with that and say, yeah, they knew the same Messiah we know. No, and no, we should go I don't agree. They, the theologies that you're describing are not what that is speaking of. Speaking of the resurrection may be foreseeing that Messiah would be resurrected, but not knowing the full import of the theologies attached to such. Daniel 12, he says, in the, in the end, there will be a raising. Yeah. Your people will rise. I thought Drashed on that verse by David. I'll have to look at it again. Um, but that's exactly the point. The disciples, right. when they write these things down, they're so going, by the way, you remember David? He wrote all this right. stuff. Well, it fits perfectly with Yeshua. He's not yeah. saying David was really smart. He had all this revelation. He's saying God revealed it to David. God revealed it to us through David. Yeah. Sometimes the prophet doesn't even know what he's writing for the love of God. Right, but we know Most of the time, the prophet doesn't know what he's writing. The Tanakh yeah, was sufficient. The Tanakh was sufficient. Right, but his name's nowhere there. His works, his acts, his, his provision, his character Everything is there. And I'm talking to people that are looking for one with that provision, with that character, and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you missed the fact that he came. His name is Yeshua. Now let's talk about it. not looking for an atoning sacrifice, Joseph. Well, actually, that's not completely... That's not true. You are putting... Alex, Alex, Alex! You are putting all of Judaism in this chicken-shaking crew, and that is so un... un I mean, it's so callous to God's people. I pray God will give you grace to at least hear me to say, not all Jews... Believe that. And I can tell you, the one that sat on my couch a couple of weeks ago did not believe what you just said and actually made fun of that. Fine. With the chicken thing. That proves the point I was actually making, which was that those Jews at least understand that blood is necessary. I was actually making the point that the Jeremy's and the Ari's don't, today, the Messiah they're looking for, are not looking for an atonement. Then why do they want to build the temple? For, I suppose, a king and a kingdom? I, no, it's I, for atonement. <laughs> I'm sitting talking with them, Alex. I'm giving them the Gospels. You me the other day about the fact that visible Judaism isn't looking for anything. Uh, again, I am not talking about Judaism as a, a unity, just as there was not one Judaism in the Master's Day. We spent the, the opening of this class talking about the fact that the Herodians and the Sadducees wanted to kill God's Messiah. But the Pharisees, by and large, not all of them, but by and large, believed in him. And warned him. And loved him. And called him rabbi and revered him and, and trusted in him. Well, the same thing is going on right now. And all I'm doing is talking about those I've come across who are definitely... No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I never said that, and I would never say that. I'm talking about what I perceive from their heart. What I can perceive, it seems to me, it seems evident, that they have a love for God that's beyond mine. That's shocking. That they desire to keep His commandments, not because of anything they'll earn, but because God said so. But is that God's perspective? Or is that your How could I possibly know God's perspective, Alex? Uh, all I can tell... In His Word, that without the object of faith, the Messiah of Israel... They are definitely trusting in the Messiah of Israel, Alex. They just don't know that the Messiah has come. He expects several more to come. You can say that. I mean, it seems like the, the holidays and stuff revolve around um, good things, wrongly applied, prayer, repentance, and works of Hesed, which are good. But again, without the Messiah as the object of your faith and devotion and worship and exaltation, it's idolatry. Their focus, if, as if far I as I'm able to tell so far. I think it goes back to you. If you have if you have people in the church, I mean there's there's people in the church, people in my own family, that uh obviously recognize the personality of Messiah, whom they call Jesus, right? And that is the object of their faith, yet they totally disregard much of, of God's revelation. Right. So, so the question so there, is, so, so, is... So let me make sure I understand. As long as somebody has 
uh, Yeshua or Jesus as the object of their faith, it, but yet they're disregarding First of all, other other forms. Other, all other, 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 other like, you know, they're not Are fornicators. They they're not. not they're, First of all, we say this all the time. Let's rehearse it. These people don't disregard the entire law of God. We know that. They're not adulterers. They're not fornicating. They're not blessed. They're not. They're just doing. They're just not doing that stuff because I agree. They should do it. My question is, no, no, they're more questionable. That doesn't give them a buy. No, but but they have. They're they're obeying certain commands. I thought. Alex, help me understand this. They do obey some commands. If somebody professes Jesus as the Messiah, but yet does does not do what Jesus said to do, broadly, of course. would we would we say? I mean, are, are we saying that you know that those the people in the church who who do that and there's lots of them? Wait, are we going to categorically say two that, that all of them? There's none only, of them love God. There's only two things you can say. They are either deceived, sure, they have an empty profession and they are not regenerate at all, or they're immature, or maybe they're well, idolaters and they're and they idolize Jesus, Michelangelo. They could be deceived. <laughs> well, see, yeah, this is my point. Is if everybody, <laughs> everybody on the planet is an idolater by your definition. No, I don't. Uh, is it possible? You, the question. Is, possible. It, is it possible to I, make an idol out of Yeshua? Absolutely. A mental oh, yeah. image? You got that right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Christianity has is he made a habit of making You mean the real one? Yeah, that's who I'm... Yeah. He doesn't mean the real one. See, that's the whole thing. I'm getting lost. You don't know equivocation. You don't know what they believe. You believe in the Messiah of Israel, and you're trusting in his finished work of atonement, and you're trusting in his blood, then you will be rescued from the wrath to come. But if you live in a lawless life, then you're deceiving yourself. I agree. You know them by their fruit. So you exhort that brother if they're lawless, and then you cause them to to examine themselves. Amen. Okay. I'm trying to tell people they should be lawless. But hold on a second. Hold on a second. I want to go back to that notion. You say that if you if you know the real Messiah, you can't make him an idol. And I'm asking you, how do you know the real Messiah? Because he, my transgression was condemned in his flesh on the cross. No, 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 no. Tell me how you know that, the that doesn't real answer Messiah. his question. The revelation of God. So, and, so take that. That's how you know of anything? God. This is my epistemology, right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's all I know. Yeah. Okay, so this first three quarters. Seventy-eight percent, actually. Is there this first three quarters, or this first seventy-eight percent? The, or the last 22 percent, huh? 27%. 27%. 27%. The last 27% didn't exist for the first 100 years in workable fashion. How did they possibly know the Messiah? We know three that did, that were major leaders. No, 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 no. I'm no, talking about talking the first about, century. He's, he's talking century. about 60 AD, Paul's letter to Colossae, hasn't reached Ephesus yet. The seventy-eight percent is true, but the remaining actually is over half quotes or allusions to the first seventy-eight percent. So the point is, so the point is that I can know the real Messiah because the Torah teaches the real Messiah. Right? <coughs> If, but but you can't say you can't say you agree when you get the Torah. I can be an, I can be an idolater. Yeah, because you could. Well, I can't believe that, that the Torah keeping is idolatry. If that's what you're trusting in, no, you're not. Trusting no, 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 you're not trusting in it. The object of your faith is your obedience. First of all, no, Judeans doesn't believe that. The Torah is the object of their faith. No, no. I still God is the object of their faith. Some, some people, some people can do that in the same way that some people in the church can say that church attendance is. But that doesn't mean that all people who go to the church say that. Right. right. There are right. definitely Jews who, who would argue very strongly okay. that that's not what it is. Let me try and summarize. I love you to death. You know that. <laughs> um, we were supposed Before to have. You summarizing. You summarizing him. I'm, su- I'm summarizing me. Forget you guys. <laughs> um, this this is the argument I wanted to have the first hour. Okay, um, let me let me say this. And yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it, you know, and it, and it's 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 tough for us to to loosen up to talk. Um, here's 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 where I'm at. I'm very concerned that we would ascribe faith to someone who has no faith. 
because in the end we may give them a false hope. And I know you and I agree. I'm very concerned if we diss someone's faith simply because their theology is off from ours. Now, I recognize that there's fundamentals that we need to hold in common. But as you pointed out, they may be deceived or they may just be immature. Now, and I know you agree with that. So, these, with these two agreeing bookends, my disappointment in the middle of all this is that we, I think, and this is why I wanted to bring it all up, I think we practice anti-Semitism to a certain degree. If we are willing to give the Gentile somewhat of a nod because they're new in the faith, but we're unwilling to give the Orthodox Jewish man not all of them, obviously, but the ones that we're talking about that we've met, whose hearts appear to be pure and desiring to please God and who see the goal of the Torah as being Mashiach, but, again, may have been deceived or may simply be, even though they're older in the faith and wiser in the faith in many cases than we are from a halakhic perspective, but may be actually new in the faith when it comes to Mashiach. And I'm disappointed that we may come off as, because God hates it, anti-Semites, to just toss them in the tank with idolaters when they won't even do that with us now. Because that's, I think, the difference I'm seeing with some of these men. They treat Gentiles like idolaters. Yeah, and they've pulled us up out of that bucket to say, you know what? Well, that's what we're doing. But I don't want to just toss them, you know, run them over with the cart and call them idolaters without at least giving them the benefit of the doubt that they may not be idolaters. They may be deceived or new in the faith when it comes to looking at Mashiach in the Tanakh, like you were saying. Because if we know for a fact that some of these godly men were truly in the faith and have a place in the world to come, then i got to believe that these guys can as well, and we may be here for such a time as this. Amen? Amen. And, so. And I'll just finish off the scripture, and that's just Hebrews 11, 6. It's important. You know, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And, and I would... That's exactly right. I was going to say... I think that they almost quoted that to me, which is a cool deal. So, I I don't want us to get hung up on the name, but at the same time, I certainly don't want us to forsake the fact that Yeshua is the Messiah, and without Him, you're without hope. So, there we go. You bet. Actually, no, it's it's a stumbling block to everybody. Yes. You bet. All right, so thank you, by the yeah, way, for opening up. Intentions, number one and number two, I did not mean to disparage Jews who you know, think, I was actually just trying to make the point that you know, the atonement of the Messiah is not something that I, I, maybe you could educate me, I thought, but for the ones who had the chickens, I was actually saying that yes, they're onto something, is understood by most modern Orthodox as being what he's going to come and do. Yeah. Uh, so maybe well, educate me later on that. Well, I can't speak of Judaism. I can only speak about the ones that I come across. You know, and if you press them and say, how are you going to have a place in the world to come? I mean, this is our well, I'm a Jew. Right. Oh, well, wait a minute. Uh, no, no, no. Are you saying you're a Jew and that's going to give you a place in the world to come? Well, and then you start working it. And, you know, they're, so they're, they'll, give you the, they'll give you the class line and then you've got to dig and go, that's not really what you're saying. i say this, though. This is so hard for us, brothers. I mean, it, we have to be careful. We hit the anti-Semite button it's like we can't say anything disparaging or negative about um, what is perhaps the emptiness of their natural religion. No, I think you're in right. Fact, we should. In fact, loving them we should say is, to, is to, among ourselves, point it out humbly and speak the word, the foolishness of preaching. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's got to be on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Let's stop saying that. Okay. Yeah. But to your point, 
what we should be doing here, as uh, I know that you and I have been digging on a lot, is give me, give me the stuff that I can use. Because I'm, I'm interfacing with them. And I want to know what to say and how to deal with it. But I'm surprised. I'm always surprised when they come back with a truly wise response. And you're like, well, well, yeah, you're not in the church. How did you know that? You know, that kind of thing. All right. God's will. See how I'm diffusing this whole thing here? We did good. This was good. This was healthy. We need to do this. We need to talk about it. Because you know what? He's right. You know what? So is he. And so is he. I'm not. I'm not right. You are right. Not all the time, but you are right from time to time. But we need Alex to remember is that. Right, I'm wrong. We need to remember that. Alex is not wrong. This is not about right and wrong. It's shades of approach. It's understanding the work of God, and it is definitely knowing the word of God. So let me sorry, I got up. I'm not going to that one, actually. I'm going back to the board. Back to the board. My question was, um, if God cares about all of the details. Does this mean that we should be worried about ascertaining God's specific will in those details? Exactly my point to close. And the answer, I believe, is absolutely not. If you're wasting your time trying to figure out God's will, I just want to come over and smack you and say, read the word of God and start walking out the walk. That's the bottom line. What does he want you to do? He wants you to love your God. And how are you going to do that? By obeying Him. Secondly, He wants you to love your fellow man. And how are you going to do that? Read the Torah. Because it tells you exactly how to do it. So, my point in all of this is, this was all flowery and really cool stuff, but it, it, it's, it's meaningless when, it, when we get down to the brass tacks of walking out our faith. And walking out our faith means knowing. Knowing His Word so that we can make decisions like him. As a father, I am most astonished when I can say to my kids, what did you do? And they tell me, what did you think I would do? And they tell me what I did. All bets are off. There's no punishment. I'll take the heat. Whatever it was. Why? Because you did what you thought your father would do. Isn't that exactly what the hallmark of Yeshua's ministry is. In every way. In every day. He did the will of His Father completely and 100%. And I personally believe there was no unction that He got that was fake. That's something you didn't get. There's nothing special there. Yes, He was God. Is God. But when He was walking around on the planet, he had reduced himself. Colossians 2, the, the great kenosis passage, right? He emptied himself of his godliness. He wasn't any less God, but he no longer was omniscient. He no longer could read minds. He learned the will of God from the Torah, just like we do. And we should, we should be able to walk out our walk and figure out... I mean, it sounds trite what would Yeshua do? Well, you know, the bottom line comes down to, since he did the will of the Father, what kind of motor oil are you going to buy for your car? Right? You know, weigh it out. Yes, sir. The kosher kind. Right. Maybe instead of saying, when someone asks us about something, instead of saying, I'll need to pray about that, maybe we need to say, I need to read about that. You know, that's a great, that's a great way of looking at it, right? Just lift up the Word of God and, and kind of downplay this whole... This whole deal. I love it when you're, when you're in, in leadership in one of these congregations. You know, uh, Can you serve on the such and such? I'll have to pray about that. Why? I mean, isn't it clear? There's a reason why they say that. <laughs> they want to get away. That's right. They want to get away. All right. Next week, we're going to talk about kosher slaughter. And we're not going to talk about how you do kosher slaughter, although Ken did want to have some kind of demonstration. No, I'm only kidding. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm in the backyard. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> we are going to start killing chickens in the backyard. No. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned, and, and I don't have an answer for you, and, and a lot of times I, I walk you into these things so that I can make a point. I don't have a point next week. Okay? I, I want you... You always have a point. I, 
I, I want you to know that as, as, a, as a family, um, I'm, I was struck by uh, two things that I heard over the past couple of weeks. One was, if you eat your food without giving thanks before you eat, you are stealing. You are stealing from the one who really owns the food, who really is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's why on Yom Kippur we're beating our chest and saying, forgive me for I've stolen and so forth. Because we eat without blessing him and thanking him for the food. That, 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 that hit home for me. And it has helped me to remember to bless him. The second thing I heard was how could I consider eating meat that wasn't slaughtered properly when God speaks so seriously about not eating blood. He, he talks about the blood being so important. It is the atonement. Only comes through the blood. Capital punishment for, for, for murder. Why? Because you spilled the man's blood. We're not supposed to eat that, and it's supposed to be a hallmark of whose we are. And I'm kind of concerned now that my meat is not slaughtered that way. So I'd like to talk about it and get your perspective on it. So now you've got a whole week to think about it, and you know we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay? Okay, let me... Don't have it. I don't have it. I'll bless God. Father, we thank you for the time you've provided. I thank you so much for these men who are willing to discourse and to uh, wrestle one with another over the truth of your word. We thank you for Messiah Yeshua, for the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. We thank you, Father, that you've revealed him throughout from cover to cover. And we thank you for those that have gone before us and lost their lives for the sake of the gospel and for the caring of the Word of God. I pray that you would find us faithful in the same way, that that hall of faith would count these tzadikim, and that I might be counted among them. We ask your blessing, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach Aranenu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah and Lord. Amen. Thank you, man. <laughs>